Okay, good morning, Grace Church Shah Alam. It is so good to see you here this morning. So nice of you that you have tuned in for our online service. I know, I know we are all very disappointed that we cannot meet up in the main church, but God willing, it will only be for a short time. <laughs> Now I know last time two weeks turned into five months, but prayerfully this time it will not be like that. Amen. Amen. But I believe that God wants to speak to us this morning with a very specific word. And so I believe that God can really open up our hearts and that we can really speak into us. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you want to speak to us. So let your word become a reality in our hearts and in our minds that it can really change us from the inside out. Be with us. Change us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, today we're going to continue the series More Than Meets the Eye. And today we're going to talk about what's your maybe. I'm not talking about the song Call Me Maybe. I'm talking about what's your maybe. Because a lot of life happens in the maybes. In the, in the times where we are not quite sure exactly what is the right thing to do. Come on. If you are an adult for a little while, you know what I'm talking about. There are situations where you have to come up with a plan, where you have to come up with a solution, and you don't necessarily have time to really sit down and pray and fast and hear from God, ask the pastor to pray with you. You have to come up with a solution, with a decision right there on the spot. But that is life. And even though now we are in a time of lockdown again, I believe God wants to speak to us and give us the peace and the confidence that we can make those kind of decisions and that he can have a mighty work through our life because we are pushing in for more of God. So what is your maybe? What is the maybe in your life that you have where you think, I'm not sure if I should do this one or that one. Now I have to make a decision. What is the right thing to do? Should I do this or that? Should I buy this or that? Should I take this job or that job? Whatever it is, a lot of life happens in the times where you are not quite so sure. Today we're going to talk about a character in the Bible that sometimes is a little bit overlooked. And that is Jonathan and his armor bearer. Now, I believe quite a lot of us are familiar with this story, but so that everyone is on the same page, I'm just going to summarize it very quickly. You know, Israel and the Philistines were always at war with each other. So now Jonathan has killed one of the governors, one of the commanders in their army. So the Philistine got very angry and said, you know what? The Israelites are in uproar against us. So they brought together a great army and invaded Israel and set up a huge military outpost near the city of Michmash. And the Bible says that Saul took it easy and did not really go to war. So Jonathan and the armor bearer came up with an idea. So they went out, made a plan, showed themselves to the enemy, climbed up the huge cliffs, fought the enemy, killed about 20. They got in an uproar. The word came to the Philistine camp. They started killing each other and there was a great battle won for Israel that day. And that is how we end up in 1 Samuel 14, verse 6, which is our key scripture this morning. 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. And there it says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on now, 
Let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Maybe God will work for us. There's no rule that says God can only de deliver by using a big army. No one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. His armor bearer said, go ahead, do what you think best. I am with you all the way. Now that is the key scripture for this morning. But the first thing that we can really learn from the scripture is that we cannot become complacent, but that we have to lead by example. We cannot become complacent, but we have to lead by example. Now in this scripture, Saul is the one who is complacent. And Jonathan is the one who's leading by example. Not exactly how it was supposed to happen because Saul was the king. He was supposed to be the good example. He was supposed to give courage and, and, and good cheer to his people. Even though they faced an incredible, incredibly huge army, Saul was supposed to be the one who leads the army, who gives courage to the people, who stands up ready to fight. 1 Samuel 14 verse 2 says, Meanwhile, Saul was taking it easy under the pomegranate tree at the threshing floor on the edge of town at Giba. See, here's the thing. Saul was taking it easy. Now there was fighting going on for a long time already. The numbers of the enemy army was huge. People started to deflect the army. They ran over to the other side. But Saul, it says, took it easy. So he became complacent. Now again, please, very often we come to harsh judgment on the people in the Bible. We said, how can he do that? We know that God would give them a great victory. Yes, we know that. Now, how many years later, when Saul was in the situation, he had no idea what was about to happen. So he saw a huge army. He saw his 600 people with him right there. Before that, he had only about 3,000. Now only 600 were, were with him left. And then he was there thinking, there's no point in even fighting. What's the point of coming against a huge army if there's almost certainly defeat? So he took it easy and said, you know what? What happens, happens. And we judge him for that one. But you know what? How does it look in our life? Have we come to a place where we became complacent? Where we are now complacent where we say, maybe this is just how life is. Maybe I just have to accept what is happening to me right now. Are we complacent where we are? Are we complacent in the relationship that we have with God? Or are we still pressing in saying, God, there is still so much more to, for me to discover. God, I only scratched the surface in the relationship that I have with you. There is so much more that you want to show me. Do we really have a hunger for God? Or have we become complacent? I am here to tell you this morning that we can never come to a place of complacency, but that we have to lead by a good example. Like Jonathan, he said, you know what? I cannot wait anymore. My father, the king, is taking it easy, but I have to do something. There was a fire burning in him. There was something where he said, I have to do something. I cannot just sit down here and be complacent. I have to do something. And I wonder, which of the examples are we following in our life right now? Are we in a place of complacency saying, mm, that's just how life is? Got married, have children, I have my job, going to my job day after day. 
That is life. That is adult life. Or are we in a place to say, yes, I have all these things, but I want so much more from God because I know he wants to show up. I know that he wants to reveal himself to me. I know there is so much more to be experienced. And that is one of the things that I always love about Auntie Betty in church. No matter her age, she knows there is so much more to be experienced. And she has such a hunger for God. And I say, God, I want to be like that. Even though I know you, even though I know you intimately, even though I spend time with you every day, I want to go deeper. I want to see more of God. I want to see that he reveals himself to me in a way that I've never seen before. See, the thing about this is, is that the, the attitude that Saul had affected all the people around. He was taking it easy. Just before that, in the other uh, previous chapter, if we read, a lot of people were so scared they just left and were hiding in the countryside. And that is, again, not a surprise. I mean, if you would think about how huge the army was and how few people they had, they were scared for their life. So they deflected, they went over to the other army, or in fear they ran away and they were hiding away in caves in the countryside. But here's the thing, instead of leading his people, Saul took it easy. And that affected the entire morale of the people around him. I'm reminded of a documentary that I saw years ago, where they talked about yawning. And uh, the whole entire documentary was, <laughs> was about yawning, I know. Sounds very boring, but I thought it was quite interesting. And so they had this study where they put one person into a room full of other people, and that person started to uh, yawn. And before you know it, before long, people in the room started to yawn. And the more people started to yawn, the more other people who were perfectly fine before also started to yawn. They concluded that yawning is contagious. Now, not in a negative sense, but people see each other yawning. So all of a sudden, you also feel like yawning. Now, their conclusion was maybe it's psychological, maybe because when you yawn, you take in a lot of oxygen because you're tired. So you're taking a lot of oxygen to pep you up again. So then other people see that in your subconscious, they are saying, it's like, hey, they're taking all the oxygen. So I also faster take all the oxygen in that you can. I'm not sure if that is true or not, but it was interesting. But yawning is contagious. Now, here's something else. Courage is contagious. Joy is contagious. So what kind of people are we? People who are laid back, maybe even stressed out, maybe fearful, maybe no more hope, because that will con we be contagious to the people around us as well. Or are we people who are full of joy, full of hope, full of peace, full of the goodness of God, because that will be also contagious to the people around us. So I want to encourage you, maybe even challenge you this morning, that you make a decision in your heart. I want to be a person who is contagious in a good way. No COVID-19, please. <laughs> we don't want to be contagious like that. But we want to spread hope and love, respect and peace. All these things. But your attitude will affect the people around you. So are we complacent? Are we stressed out or fearful? Or are we leading by good example? 
God wants to use us to have an impact on the people around us. And I just hope and pray that we do it in a positive way, that we are infecting people around us with joy and peace and laughter and all these wonderful, wonderful things. The second thing that we can learn is that we have to step out in faith. First Samuel 14 verse 6 says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on now, let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Maybe God will work for us. See, here's the funny thing. They didn't pray for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted and, and asked God to show them what to do. They said, you know what? We have to do something. We cannot be complacent. We have to do something. We have to become active. So why don't we just go and do something? Maybe God will help us. Maybe God will work for us. See, here is the thing. They had no clue what was about to happen. They had no idea, but they just knew they had to do something. May I suggest to you this morning, maybe we don't experience God in our life like we want Him to because we are not willing to step out of our comfort zone. The comfort zone that we have maybe is our family, our jobs, the, the, the regular life that we have, the routine that we have established in our life. And we are so in the trot of life, in the routine that we have, that there's no more real time for God to really move. Maybe we are not experiencing Him in the way that we want to, simply because we are not willing to actually risk anything for Him, to step out of that comfort zone, to leave behind what is known to us, what is comfortable, what we are used to, but we are pressing into something that God might want to do in our life. See, the thing is, if we are stationary, Nothing really can happen. God needs our movement, our momentum to direct our path. You know what? I was thinking about this. What if my son sits on a bicycle and he's just sitting on the bicycle and he turns the steering wheel? Now you know the wheel will turn, but the bicycle is stationary so it won't go anywhere. The wheel is just turning. Now imagine him driving with the bicycle, riding it, going there, having movement. And now when he turns the steering wheel, the entire bicycle with him on top is going to the place where he wants it to go. See, when there is movement, if there is momentum, if there is something happening, it is easy for him to steer in the direction he wants to go. In the same way is it in our spiritual life. If we are complacent, if we are in our comfort zone, maybe God cannot direct our ways in a way that he wants to because we are just not doing anything. So we have to come to a place where we say, God, I am hungry for more. God, I want to experience more. I am not willing to just go day after day going on in my, in my, in my, my routine, but I want to see something more because that is what it takes for God to direct our steps. Once we start to move, it is easy for God to direct our steps. But we have to take that step in faith. If we wait for God to show us exactly what to do, maybe we will wait for a long time. Only imagine, maybe that was the attitude that Saul had. Saul was there under the tree, 
taking it easy. Maybe he was waiting. Oh, if God wants us to move, he will tell us. Samuel will come and say it is time to go to war. Until then, I'm just going to do what I like. Just going to lie back and relax. Maybe that was the complacent attitude that Saul had. But not Jonathan, not his armor bearer. They were saying, you know what? We have to do something. We have to get out there. We have to take a step of faith. Maybe God will help us. And I love it that it was just a maybe. Because a lot of life happens in the maybe. When was the last time that you were completely sure what you were supposed to do right in that instant in your life? Was it last week? Was it last year? Maybe 10 years ago? Maybe when you decided to follow Jesus Christ or to get baptized? When was the last time that you know for sure what you were supposed to do? Now these times happen and I love them. Last time for me was where it was really so clear, 100% sure, is when I was praying for Joanna. If we are supposed to get married, I really took time to fast, to pray, to seek God. And God spoke to me in a way that was so clear, more than 100%. I know for a fact that that is meant to be a match made in heaven. <laughs> But you know what? A lot of life is not so certain, isn't it? A lot of life happens where you have to make a decision right there on the go. Do I punish my children or not? Am I going to be strict or am I going to be lenient? Am I going to buy this food Or am I going to buy something else? Am I going to eat this Big Mac or am I not? Am I going to keep my calories down or am I going to lavish on this nice donut that, that melts in your mouth? <laughs> I see you're getting hungry already. Eh? <laughs> Wait a little minute. Lunch is coming up. Okay. The third thing that we can learn from the story is that we have to trust in God's goodness. Trust in God's goodness. 1 Samuel 14:6. There's no rule that says God can only deliver by using a big army. No one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. See, that's what I love about Jonathan and the armor bearer. They were so convinced that God could do something. Now, here's the thing. They didn't have the Bible like we do. They didn't have the scripture together in the Bible as we have today. But yet what they knew about God, what they heard about how God has brought them out of Egypt, how God brought them out with the signs and the wonders and even escaping the army of Pharaoh who came after them, how God parted the Red Sea, how they went through later on, how they went into the promised land, defeating the giants, all these things, the stories that they have heard. Here's what I love about it. They, did not just they were not just familiar with the story, but they took it and say, hey, that is the kind of God who can do something in my life. It was not something that was theoretically, not something that was, I've heard it before, but they said, you know what? I heard it before, I believe it, but I also expect God to do something in my life. 
that take that took it and made it personal and that is something that we can follow in our life to say hey i know the promises of god in the bible i take them and i make them part of my life now i expect god to come in and to work in my life to do something powerful where it says you know what i have read in the bible by your stripes i am healed claim that for your life where you say you know what in the bible it says that you will provide my every need take it as a promise for your life where you said you know what me and my household will be saved take it as a promise the things that you have read in the bible make it personal to your own situation and speak the goodness of god over that situation Maybe say my my marriage is not going so well. Proclaim goodness over that marriage. Proclaim the blessing of God, love, respect, goodness over your marriage. Where where you might say, oh, I don't understand my children at the moment anymore. I don't understand what is going on. Proclaim your goodness. Proclaim the love of God and the Holy Spirit over their life. Whatever we are dealing with in our life. Take the promises, take the things that you know from the word of God and apply it in your life. Just like Jonathan said, you know, there's no rule that says God has to use a big army. True. The Jews had 613 commandments. Now not all given by God, but they put so many in 613 about the food that you can eat, how you can eat it, when you can eat it, about the clothing they have to wear, when and how. All these things were regulated. All these things were there. And here comes Jonathan saying, you know what, there is no rule that God has to use a huge army. Now maybe in experience, God used a huge army. God used the whole of Israel, the army, to bring about a great victory. But hey, God can use just the two of us. See, he knew something about God and said, you know what, God, I can experience that. There is no rule that says you have to have a huge army. God, you can use me just the way that I am. It doesn't have to be in any way that we experienced before because God can move and God can bless in unexpected ways. And I want to encourage you this morning to expect God to move in unexpected ways. That God can do something powerful in your life right where you are. So take the promises of God, proclaim his goodness and say, there's no stopping God. If he wants to bless, he will bless. There is no stopping God. Take it for your own life. Just like Jonathan said, you know what? God can use just the two of us and there is no stopping God once he has put his mind to blessing us. And let me tell you this morning, God has made up his mind to bless you. God has made up his mind to be close to you. God has made up his mind. You know what? I'm even going to give my only son to die for you so that you can become part of me so that you can be be close to me again that is how much god loves us that is how much god wants to be involved in our life and bless us and there is no stopping because god already decided to be with us to bless us there is no stopping him so no matter the situation that you are going through no matter how dark it seems no matter what it may seem like right now there is no stopping god from coming to you and blessing you and leading you right into his arms 
because that is the kind of God that we worship. The fourth thing that we can learn is to never give up. Don't give up. 1 Samuel 14 verse 11. So they did it, the two of them. They stepped into the open where they could be seen by the Philistine garrison. The Philistines shouted out, look at that. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. What really encourages me is that uh, Jonathan and the armor bearer never gave up. The first thing is they were tired of being complacent. It is easy to be tired of something. It is easy to be tired of people being rude. It is easy being tired of how people at work might treat you. It's easy to get tired of how your kids are talking back to you. It is easy to get tired and sick of things. It's easy. But it's not easy to step out in faith and to do something about it. It is not easy to come to God and say, you know what? I am willing to leave my comfort zone, to come out of it. It is also not so easy to proclaim the goodness of God over the situation. Because after all, we know that God can do it, but can he really do it for me? Will he be really willing to move like that on my behalf? That is a total different thing. I believe God created the, the universe, the heavens and the earth. I believe God still heals people. Absolutely. But can he do it for me? Hmm, That's a, something different. But that also, they proclaim the goodness of God. There is no stopping God. And here's the fourth thing. They never gave up. Now imagine that. They stepped out. Now the enemy saw them and said, hey, come up. And that was the sign that they said they came up with, the sketchy plan. <laughs> they said, you know what? We show ourselves to the enemy. If they say, hey, come up, we're going to teach you a lesson. That means God has given them into our hands. If they say, wait right there where you are, we come down. That means we have lost. But then they show themselves to the enemy. The enemy say, hey, look at that. Come on up. We're going to teach you a lesson. Yes. That is what our sign was. God has given them in our hands and they start climbing up that cliff. Now, keep in mind, it is not just a walk in the park, a walk at the beach, a nice little walk, easy. No, it was steep cliffs on both sides. One was uh, uh, stony, the other one was very slippery. So they make themselves go up the cliff. And think about it, the more they were climbing, the, t the more tired they got. And still, they were willing to go all the way up and then even fight people. And they killed about 20 people right there. Now think about that. While they are going up, I might have thought, mm, did we make the right decision? Maybe we should have waited for God to really speak. Maybe we should have asked Samuel to get a word from God before we go up. And they continue climbing up. And the closer you come to the enemy, the bigger they start to appear. Oh my goodness, those Philistines are huge. And now I'm tired from climbing and now I'm going to have to fight the enemy some more. But here's the thing. They never gave up. They stuck it through to the end. They were not willing to let go. They climbed up, exhausted as they were. They stood up and fought the enemy right there. Imagine that. They were not willing to give up. And I am here to tell you this morning, don't give up. Hang in there. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has the destiny on your life. And it is still very much alive. So don't give up. Just hang in there. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't give up. Did it or not? Yes, don't give up. Because God has so much in store for us. But we cannot give up. Now imagine, Jonathan and the armor bearer, 
halfway up the cliff, they could have said, oh, you know what? Maybe it wasn't a good idea. Because it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good plan. They could have said, hey, maybe it was not the right thing to do. Come, let's go down again. Let's run away. And they probably would have had no issues running away. But here's the thing. They were not willing to give up. Let me tell you, this morning, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on pressing into God because you never know how close you are to your breakthrough. Don't give up. Maybe you are so close. Maybe it's a few days away. Maybe it's a year away. I don't know. But God knows. But don't give up. If necessary, take it one day at a time. But hang in there. Don't give up. You know what? That reminds me of a story of a lady who was baking a cake. And as she was starting to bake the cake, she realized she did not have enough sugar. So she thought, okay, well, I'm going to go to my neighbor and I'm going I'm to borrow a little bit of sugar. So she started to walk over to the neighbor's house. And all of a sudden she started to wonder, you know, actually I should have enough sugar. Why didn't I think of buying more last time I went shopping? Now when I come to the neighbor's house, they will think, yeah, look at that woman, never buy enough sugar. What's wrong with that person? And then she was walking somewhere and said, oh my goodness, what if the neighbor will start talking to the other neighbor's lady about me, that I cannot uh, cook enough or not bake enough because I didn't buy enough sugar. Then they will start talking and then they will talk to other people. Then they will look down on me. And then before you know it, nobody wants to be my friend. They're going to be upset. They're going to gossip behind my back. And the closer she came to the neighbor's house, the more upset she got. And she started thinking of all these things that could have happened or what could happen in the future. So she finally rings the bell and the neighbor's lady opens up the door and says, hey. And then the lady says, you know what? I don't even want your stupid sugar. And she turns around and storms off, <laughs> leaving the poor neighbor lady baffled, not knowing what just happened. See, what happened was the lady started to think of things that might, ha that might happen. She had no evidence that it would happen. She didn't know what was going to happen, but in her mind, she was thinking of the worst thing that could happen. And before you know it, she gave up before she even asked. Now think about that for a moment. How often have we given up on our dreams just because we were thinking about what if it doesn't work out? What if I cannot make it? What if I cannot meet the quota? What if my boss won't even promote me? Or what if my boss doesn't even give me the chance? What if, what if, what if? And we end up not even trying because we are thinking, what if? But how about turning that around and saying, what if it will happen? What if God actually does move on your behalf? What if everything works out well? Then you think, hey, I don't want to miss this opportunity. See, very often we miss opportunities because we simply are just afraid of how the outcome will be. I am here to tell you this morning not to give up, but to just take a step of faith. Take a step of faith, even in a place where you don't know what's going to happen. But please, don't take this word and misuse it to just simply, uh, you know, quit from your job. If you have a job in a time as this, it's a blessing. 
But also, life is short. So if you want to switch to something else, a dream that you always had, make sure that you have a plan of contingency. That is wisdom. Don't just simply quit the job and then all of a sudden, hey, I cannot get a new job. I cannot really make it in what I wanted to do. And then you are there. And then you are in a tough time, in a tough situation. Make sure you have a plan of contingency. If you want to do it, by all means do it. But make sure that you have a job, that you have the income, that you can really pursue your dreams. But we can always start to work towards our dreams, our visions, our goals that we have. So don't give up. Make and set yourself goals and pursue them and never give up and see how God can use it. You know what? Because Jonathan and the armor bearer went all the way up. They fought the battle. There was a great panic that came over the Philistine and the entire army started to kill each other. Now when the Israelites heard all the commotion, Saul said, okay, now we have to join the war. Let's go. And they went in and they saw that the Philistines were killing each other. And they went in, they finished the rest. A great victory was won that day. Only because Jonathan and the armor bearer said, you know what, I'm not going to be complacent anymore. We have to do something. I'm going to take a step of faith. And they proclaimed God's goodness. And they never gave up. And that is how they received that victory. Now come, let's rise to our feet. Come on. Let's rise to our feet and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and for the word that you have given us. I just ask that you bless each and every one of us who have heard your word, that there will be something rising up in our spirit where we cannot wait to take that step of faith, believing that you will bring about a change to the situation that we are in. And Father God, we make a decision this morning that we will not give up that we will con continue to pursue you, continue to press in until we see the answer to our prayer. And I know that you will come in and that you will give us the peace that we need, the joy that we need to really stick it out and see you start to move in our life. So I thank you for this morning. I thank you for each and everyone who has heard your word. Let it become a reality in our life. Let it change us. Let it change the circumstances around us and let us become a blessing to the people all around us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Be blessed and have a great week. Wow, what a wonderful message. I hope you guys are blessed by the message this morning. I hope that you can use it and apply it to your everyday life. I pray that as you go back today into your, into your daily life, that God will continue to be with you throughout the week. And I'll see you guys again next week. Stay connected with one another. Please continue to follow our social media pages and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.